0: My name is Asha and this one is titled Jailer, taking us to exactly 29 minutes after the hour of 4 a.m. This is Sound Awake. Shayla standing in for a Sunday and we're about to step into the wellness corner. Now, over the past weekend, communities from far and wide commemorate World Suicide Prevention Day. And according to South African Depression and Anxiety Group, there are an estimated 23 suicides a day in South Africa for every one of them. There are at least 230 attempted suicides. Now, local experts warn that many people who suffer from mental health issues either don't know where to get help or refuse to do so due to stigma. Now, this year's theme, Creating Hope Through Action, and it's... um. It, tends to, oh, it reflects, rather, the need for collective action by every member of our community to address this urgent public health issue. Now joining us is a clinical psychologist at South African Depression and Anxiety Group. Uh, the name is Santosh R. Pele. Good morning.
1: Hi, good morning, Sheila. Thanks for having me. Uh, I think this is the earliest I've been on your radio.
0: <laughs> I can definitely understand that part. Are you well this morning, though?
1: I am. Thank you very much.
0: Lovely. So let's get straight into the conversation, which I think is really critical. Uh, What is suicide and how does it impact emotional wellness?
1: Yeah, thanks, Sheila. I think it's such an important topic. And I think, as you said in your intro, uh, the 10th of September was World Suicide Prevention Day. But this is a topic that we have to talk about 365 days a year because it's something that affects people. Um, at any day of the week, any time of the day, and I think we all know that suicide is when someone essentially takes their own life, but the reasons for that can be very complex, and the pathways that people travel down until they get to that fatal point are very different for each and every person. Mm.
2: So
1: for some people, it can start off simply as having thoughts about suicide, and you know, the language that we use as psychologists, is we call that suicidal ideation, where you simply have the ideas, but they just remain ideas in your mind. They remain thoughts in your mind. Mm-hmm. But sometimes those ideas start becoming actual attempts. And that's when we say that someone actually has intention. You know, so there is an intention to die. And those attempts can often land people up in hospital or in the emergency ward or they might get found by their friends or their family, and and often their life is safe. Uh, But often what happens is that after repeated multiple attempts, unfortunately there's suicide completion, and that's when someone does die by suicide. And so you can see that many people, often it's not the very first time that they might have thought about suicide or attempted suicide before they actually reach suicide completion. It might be multiple times, and in some cases it might even be dozens of times over a
0: number of years. Yes. Wow. Thank you so much for that. Just the breakdown is really essential um, because then we are now able to monitor where exactly we stand, should we suffer from uh, this kind of mental issue. Now, I want to go into uh, the purpose of World Suicide Prevention Day. Yes, it is to stop uh, suicides from taking place, but what is the proactive step that one is supposed to do one when trying to uh, take the day into full account and appreciate it for what it stands for?
2: Mm.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good question because I think people often don't see suicide as a public health crisis, but actually it is. And I mean, the word that we've all become so accustomed to in the last uh, two years has been pandemic. Mm. But when we think about pandemic, we think of a virus, but suicide has been a pandemic for a very, very long time. And in fact, all the way back in 1995, the World Health Organization declared suicide a public health crisis. And currently, even in 2021, it's the 10th leading cause of death globally. If we just look at last year, there were 1.5 million suicides last year in the world. And like you mentioned in your intro, there's 23 completed suicides a day just in this country. And that's only the the numbers that we are aware of. So the purpose of the day, I think, is just to highlight the magnitude of suicide, because it's the silent pandemic. It's the Mm -hmm. one that we don't hear about. It's the one that's happening behind closed doors. It's the one that families don't want to speak about because there might be stigma attached to it. So it's very important that we use this day in a way to get the conversation out of the closet, out of the shadows, because it's something that affects so many people. Because remember, for every one person that completes suicide, there's a whole system, there's a whole family, a whole workplace, a whole village that could be affected by that one person Mm. in terms of grief and bereavement. So we're also left with a grieving population if there are so many people uh, that have completed suicide. So the whole idea behind the day is to firstly help people prevent their suicide attempts, but also to assist the people who are left behind after people have completed suicide.
0: Mm that that's yes that's really beautiful i think um i want us to tap into uh, dealing with the different groups because you did say that there's ideation and then you have the attempts and then obviously uh, the completion is then when we're left with the the mourning people, the family members, the work members, the friends and the likes. Mm-hmm. So how do we deal with those who are still in the thinking state? I want you to actually, if possible, give a breakdown of how we would deal with each group separately so that we can understand um, how one would then seek for help.
1: Sure, yeah. Uh, thanks, Sheila. So I think let's start with the ideation, you know, because that's where it all begins. Yes. And that's where someone simply has a thought. um, And the thought can be quite fleeting for some people. So often people who might start off with simply being depressed. And we know depression is really common. You know, it's one of the most common mental health problems in the world.
2: Mm. And
1: most people, you know, at some point in their lives might even experience depression, maybe mild depression, not always severe depression. But when you do experience severe depression, one of the common symptoms is that you start thinking about suicide. Mm. And it can even surprise people, because at that point, they might have no intention to die. So they might even be quite confused about, why am I even thinking about suicide? Mm. And there's often a lot of shame that comes with that. So one of the most common myths that we have is that if we ask someone about suicide, we're going to put the idea in their head. And that's completely false. So the first practical thing you can do is, if you notice a change in someone's behavior or the way in which they're talking or the way in which they're feeling or their behavior at work or at home or socially, ask them directly. Because by asking someone directly, you are helping validate their feelings. You are not going to put the idea in their head at all. Because if the idea wasn't there, there's no way you'd put the idea in their head. So the first thing is actually just to ask very directly. And obviously, not anyone is just going to ask that question to somebody else. Chances are you're going to be a close loved one, you're going to be a close colleague, you're going to be a friend, a partner. And in asking that question, it's very important that there's empathy and that there's a sense of understanding and a sense of curiosity. So you're really genuinely asking the person because you want to know and you want to understand and you want to help. So, you know, what I've found is that there's no formula to helping someone.
2: Mm. But
1: the attitude that you have when you do it is the most important. That you've got to have that sense of empathy so that when the person hears the question coming from you, they feel like, wow, this is someone who's actually noticed there's something going wrong with me.
2: Mm. And this is
1: someone who actually wants to assist me. And I think that can assist at every stage. From the ideation stage, even to the attempt stage. So even when someone attempts suicide, rather than a sense of judgment, it's very important that we show empathy. Because when someone attempts suicide, it means that they are trying to express a very unbearable pain. And then it's important, if we're going to help them, to ask ourselves, how can we get them to express that pain in a healthy way so that they don't have to resort to these kinds of tactics in order to feel something, in order to to kind of allow people to see that they're actually struggling. So these are some of the techniques you can use, but it starts with a sense of empathy. It starts with asking the right questions, uh, but it also is about being brave enough to actually reach out to someone. So in as much as the people who are struggling have to be brave enough to reach out for help, the people who are seeing the people struggling have to also be brave enough to reach out and help them.
0: Wow, Uh, that was beautifully put. And I think the one thing that we don't take into account Um, more often is that essentially suicide is an expression of an unbearable pain I think we we tend to neglect that. We just think the person wanted to die, they wanted to end their lives, and we don't look at the reason as to why. Uh, That brings me to the next question, which would be, how do you then deal with those who have lost this loved one, Uh, those who might have potentially seen a sign but were not too sure or did not know how to pose the question or or investigate further? What do we do for those um, that set and that group of people?
1: Yeah, you know, there's, so the World Health Organization estimates that there's about 500 million people every year that are that are left behind who experience suicide-related grief. Mm. So it's an incredibly high number, and one of the ways in which we help people is firstly by making sure that they enter the mental health system in some way. You know, so it's important that they are not just left to cope with their grief all on their own, because in this case, professional help can actually be very beneficial. And so obviously, one starting point is to refer people to a psychologist and to actually get some professional counseling and assistance, sometimes as a family or sometimes debriefing as a group. So for example, an entire workplace might need a debriefing. And mm. um, sometimes um, even beyond that, you know, sometimes the entire community might be buried because it might be a, a popular or famous figure, you know, or community leader that many people had no idea was struggling with depression.
2: Mm. So
1: in, in many cases, it can, it can go from a single individual like their partner or their child all the way to an entire community. But other ways in which you can help people uh, that are often overlooked are support groups. And this is something that I'm personally very passionate about. And it's also something that the South African Depression and Anxiety Group plays a big role in South Africa about. And that's setting up community-based support groups for free that people can attend. And one of the most popular support groups um, is actually a durban based support group Mm. called SOLOS. And SOLOS stands for Survivors of Loved Ones of Suicide. Mm. And Solos was started about 10 years ago um, by a woman who, in fact, lost her husband to suicide. And she, after processing her own grief, decided that she wants to help other people and began starting a small support group for other people who lost loved ones. But the support group grew in numbers, and over the years, it's become one of the longest-running support groups. And most of FedEx support groups are run by ordinary people who simply experience experienced uh, that mental health issue themselves. And they get a bit of training by SADAC, and they get some support by SADAC as much as they want, and they go off and start their own group. So I would highly recommend that if anyone is grieving because you've lost someone because of suicide, that you join a community of support because it's so relieving to sit in a group of people knowing that other people have been through a similar experience. Not the exact same experience, obviously, because each one will be different, but that they can at least understand where you're coming from. And I can give you all of those details maybe at the end of our conversation.
0: Yes, I was about to, you know, to allude to that, that we would need those details. I think um, we Let's backtrack and get into uh, what the South African Depression and Anxiety Group has to offer. What kind of tools, uh, apart from that based in Durban, the support group based in Durban, what other tools uh, do you offer, does your establishment offer?
1: Yeah, so SADAC has been around for a long time, You know, for well over 25 years now. And if you go onto their website, um, which is sadac.org, um, you'll find a whole suicide prevention toolkit
2: mm. on the website
1: at the moment. Um, and like you said, the theme is creating hope through action. Um, so the whole idea is about creating hope. So there's a whole bunch of self help tips, um, how to identify warning signs, uh, posters that people could print out and put up, um, etc. Uh, busting the myths about suicide, because you know one of the reasons people don't seek help is because there's all this judgment and stigma Um, There's also specific resources about how to help troubled teenagers, because we know that adolescent suicide is also quite high. Mm. Um, And we know that teenagers can often be an especially difficult group to talk about or talk to. Uh, I think anyone that has a a teenager, a parent, might be able to relate to that. Uh, There's also some interesting videos that people could watch um, and some examples about how to talk to someone who might be suicidal. For example, examples of conversation starters around this. So um, I would recommend that people you know, simply visit the website, statact.org, uh, and it's right there on the homepage. And so you can kind of browse all of this information at your leisure.
0: Lovely. I think just to slate off the, the conversation, I, you said something so important, um, and it kind of brought me to the understanding that suicide would then be essentially um, the experience of the lack of hope. You know, and in your own personal experience, you are obviously a clinical psychologist. You've been dealing with these kind of situations. What would you then say to uh, myself and anybody listening um, that could help us? Trigger back senses of hope, or help us locate hope in our various areas. Obviously, it's very specific to each and every individual. That's understandable. However, hope is a universal language, and I wanted to know, in your opinion, how do we access that when we feel like we're losing touch with it?
1: Yeah, it, that's that's like a million dollar question. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I think you you've hit the nail on the head because you know as psychologists. The, the warning bells and the red flag for us is when we speak to someone and we get a sense of hopelessness.
2: Mm.
1: And we know that hopelessness is very, very highly correlated to suicidal ideation and suicidal attempts. So the moment we get a sense of hopelessness from people, you know, we start getting very nervous and we ensure that we can get people to start seeing some future possibility for themselves, even if it seems difficult. I think what's important with hope is not to make the future seem too far away. So hope can even mean, let's see if tomorrow can be better.
2: Mm. Let's see if
1: the weekend can be better. Let's see if next week can be better. So hope is simply about giving people a little bit of an extra lifeline for a couple more hours or a couple more days until the next one. So I think it's important that even when we try to help people, we don't... We are not unrealistic in the sense that we don't get people to make us promises that they would never, ever do this again.
2: Mm. Because for some
1: people, they can't make that promise. Uh, but they might be able to say, I won't do this in the next week, in the next month, etc." Something that is really um, powerful is um, a project called the Empathy and Hope Project. And people can Google it if they want more information. Mm. Um, and that's a project that was started by one of our project managers, a SEDAC in Durban called Chantal Boyson, and it was actually an art exhibition. It was a beautiful art exhibition um, that sadly started just before the first hard lockdown last year, and so very really few people got to see the art exhibition, except those of us who were there at the opening. But it's now a traveling exhibition, and it is moving across the country. And so you know, if people just Google the Empathy and Hope Project, um, I think they'll find some interesting resources about the relationship between empathy and hope and how we can help cultivate hope and actually create dialogue specifically about hope. And how hope can actually be a tool for social change in society.
0: Sure. That is powerful stuff. Thank you so much for your time. Um, Would you kindly give us uh, your digital footprint so we can get uh, more information with regards to just being able to aid ourselves and those around us who could potentially be uh, be suffering from a depressive state that can lead them to suicide?
1: Yes, absolutely. So just um, as a reminder, people can go on to SADAC.org. It's S-A-D-A-G. Um, Otherwise, SEDAC operates a suicide emergency helpline, and that's absolutely free. It's 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and that number is easy to remember. It's 0800-567-567, so that's 0800-567-567, and also just a reminder to everybody that if you are feeling suicidal, it is considered an emergency, which means you can go straight into an emergency unit of any hospital in this country and tell them that you are suicidal. Mm. Um, and so that option is always available all the time.
0: Sure. Again, thank you so much for your time. This was really informative.
1: Thank you very much, Ella. I look forward to speaking to you again, but uh, maybe not so early in the morning.
0: <laughs> <laughs> maybe not so early.
1: <laughs> yeah, take care.